following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. If you uh, have your Bible with you, if you would open it up to the Gospel of Luke in the 15th chapter. And uh, this is a message that God kind of put on my heart a little while ago, but it's one that's quite personal to me. And uh, you know, chapter 15 is a chapter in and of itself you could probably spend three or four months in. And this morning we're going to look at the parable of the prodigal son, which in and of itself probably you could spend a month in and of its own. And to do it justice for what God has laid on my heart, we're just going to take a small portion of the prodigal son. But the title of tonight's message is Understanding God's Heart, which is really, I think, the core of what chapter 15, and really that's the core of the gospel, isn't it? Understanding God's heart for his people. As we uh, get ready to get into the scripture this morning, let's pray. Father, uh, we just thank you for your word that you have given us a holy writ by which we can better understand you, that we can better understand your heart, who you are, what you did for us through Christ Jesus. This morning, Father, I pray that your spirit would open up our hearts and our ears, to hear what you would have to say. That you would just take me out of the equation and just speak to us today through your word. I just thank you, Lord, and may we be transformed and conformed into the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. So before we get into the prodigal son, let's just kind of set the scene a little bit here. And if you go to verse 1 of chapter 15... Paul write, or Luke writes this. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. That first verse is important because it gives us two class of people. Those who are the religious right and those who would be deemed as immoral. And those who were immoral were coming around Jesus to hear him. Why? Because he was giving them a message that they weren't hearing from the Pharisees. So they wanted to hear what Jesus had to say, and the the religious right is looking at them and saying, why does he hang out with them? Why is he eating with them? Because they're impure. They have nothing to do with God. They should just be accursed. So Jesus goes on and he gives three parables here in the 15th chapter. And while it's true, and it's often said that these are pointed at the Pharisees because of their hardness of heart, and he's chastising them because of the way they look at those who are not under the law. But I want to say to you that also within these three parables, Jesus is not only admonishing 
the Pharisee, but he is also encouraging those who are outside of God's covering, outside of his love about what God feels about them, what God wants from them. Because he gives the first parable is the parable of the lost sheep. He says, which one of you who has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost would not leave the 99 to go get the one? Well, who's the one? The tax collectors and the immoral who are coming around to hear him. If a woman has ten gold coins and she loses one of them, what does she do? She gets the lamp. She's looking under the bed. She's sweeping the whole house. She's looking for that one coin. She's not satisfied with just nine. She wants to find that one. Well, who represents the one coin? The tax collector and the sinner. And then he goes into this parable of the prodigal son. And it's a father who has two sons. What types of people are before Jesus right now? Two types. The immoral and the Pharisee. So, Jesus is looking at this, and, he's, and there's three points that all three parables hold on to. Three things. Something is lost. Something is found. And there is a celebration. Something is lost. Something is found. And a celebration. So, Jesus is saying God's heart is to look for that which is lost. To find it. And to celebrate it. So let's look at this parable of the the lost son or the prodigal son. In verse 11 of chapter 15, let's read. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. And not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything and there was a severe famine in the land that the whole country was was barren and in need, he went and hired himself or he enslaved himself out to a citizen of the country who sent this boy to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but nobody gave him anything to eat. When he came to his own senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, His father saw him and was filled with compassion. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, 
Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He is lost and now he is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied. Your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. Well, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet, never even have I gotten a young goat to celebrate with my friends. But when a son of yours has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him? My son, says the father, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad. Because this brother of yours was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. What a powerful parable. And if you look at this in verse 11, he says there was a man who had two two sons, a younger one and an older one. The younger one is one that Probably he's working on the, on, the, on the land day after day. And, you know, maybe he's going to Hebrew school. And he's got some friends who aren't quite walking right. And he sees that they're having fun. More fun than he thinks he's having living with his dad, working on the house, working and tilling the land. So maybe those words are being whispered into his ear. It's like, Jacob, come on, let's go. Tell your dad you want some money. Let's let's hit the road. So evil is speaking into his ear. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Bad company corrupts good morals. So here's the son. He goes to his father and he says, Dad, I want my share. And literally, this is what he's saying. Dad, I wish you were dead. I want you dead so I can have my inheritance. Give me my share so I can go. What would that do to a father's heart? And here's a dad, and he's like, all right. And he starts to liquidate his, his assets so he can give his share to his younger son. And it says, not long after that, or some versions say, not many days later, the younger son gathered up his stuff. Which means, from the time he said, I wish you were dead, give me what's mine, to the time he left, there was commingling going on. It didn't happen like, Here's your money, get out. But they were living together. Every day, the father would look at his younger son 
and his heart was breaking. Every day that the son was thinking about where he was going to go, his heart was being filled with more rebellion. Every day the older son looked at his younger son and his rebellious heart, his heart waxed cold with resentment and judgment. And this particular passage speaks volumes to me because I have an 18-year-old son who is a prodigal. And while he is awesome, good heart, everything, I talk with him, but I see him every day, and I know his words and his heart are far from God. So as I was reading this, and I'm thinking about this father, just that one little sentence where not many days later he packed up his belongings and left. It's just that idea of of watching and knowing. And God sees us. And when we choose to disobey, when we choose to go away from His call, what are we saying? We're saying to Him the same thing. God, I wish You were not in control of my life. Give me back control. And God looks at us with a broken heart while ours is being filled with rebellion. So it goes on and it says that he went out and he squandered. I don't want to spend too much time on the, on the, on the boys because I want to talk about the father. So he goes off and who he thought were his friends were not his friends. He finds himself destitute. He finds himself in want and in need. And he comes to this realization. He's like, my God, the hired hands that that I grew up with, they they have more food than they know what to do with. I'm wanting to eat what I'm feeding these pigs, and and I'm starving to death because I can't even eat that. So he starts to, to come home. He makes up his mind. And it says that he's he's going, you know what? I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against earth. I don't even want to be, I'm not deserving to be called your son. Make Make me a slave. Because what happened was that he ran after the lusts of the world and what did he do? He became a slave unto his passion. And it led him to ruin. But one thing he understood, there was a place he could go back to. There was a place that he could always return to, and that was home. Do you know somebody who's wandered from the faith? Do they know that they can come home? He knows he can come home. And what I love is what happens. Because it, it, it starts to describe what God is doing. Because it says that, that he was going home, and one day the father, and I, I, I just picture this, and you know, I'm totally off on how it looks, but this is how my mind looks at it. It's kind of like those ranch 
areas where you got the long driveway, you know, like Horseshoe Ranch or whatever. And the father is just like, he's on his porch every day, looking, hoping, praying for the return of his son. And it says he got up, started back, and, and it doesn't say that the father was, was busy in the house, and one of the servants came to him and said, hey, Jacob's coming home. It's not what it says. It says that the father looked, and while the son was far off, I'm pro- this is one of these things where it's like only the father could know the, who it was. And what does it say the father did? Did he go in and slam the door because here's the son that said, I want you to be dead? No. It said that the father ran to him. He didn't walk. But he ran to him. And then when he ran to him, he fell on him. I mean, literally, it's like he tackled him. And in Genesis, it gives the same idea of when Joseph was in Egypt, and he became second in command, and he was overseeing all the food because of the famine, and his brothers were coming in, and they come in, and he says, is this all of you? Because he didn't see his brother, his, his, his whole brother. The other ten were half-brothers, but Benjamin was his whole brother. Same mother, same father. He didn't see him, so they had to go, says, I want to see him. And when he saw him, and he'd done the, all that he did. There was that moment. And all of a sudden, he couldn't contain himself anymore. And it says that he ran and he fell on Jacob's neck. Literally, it's like he's tackling him. And he's kissing him. And it's just like, oh my God, I'm so glad to see you. And this is the picture that Jesus is painting with his father. This, this boy's been gone for who knows how long. It doesn't tell us how long he's been gone, but long enough for him to squander everything and become destitute. He stinks. He's ripped clothes. It's just dirty, everything. And the father's just like, I don't, I'm, love is blind. He runs and he tackles him. He's kissing him on the neck. He's like, oh my God, Jacob, you're home. He's just engulfing him with love. And that's what God does to each one of us. When, the, when a sinner is, is coming back and there's a repentant heart, what happens? God is just fully engulfing them with love. It's just this wave of love that just surrounds him. And as Christians, we are called to love that way as well. We are called to envelop the stinky, the deprived, the rebellious, in a way that God does. So here's the father, and he's just loving on him. And then he says, Father, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Just make me a hired hand. And the father's just like, did I hear something? I I didn't hear something. Eli, Get my best robe. He didn't say, take him, put him in a bath, shower him. You know, he stinks. It's not what he said. He didn't say, take him to the back house. Take him with you. He says, no. Get my best robe. Put it on him. 
Get a ring. Put it on his finger because he is my son. He is not a hired hand. Put some shoes on his feet. I want you to take care of him. I want this boy celebrated. Get the fatted calf. I think we have, uh, I'm going to read out of Zechariah 3.3. And this is kind of this, this idea of what was just happening with the father and, and the robe and the ring. And in Zechariah 3.3, 3, it says, Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. The angel said to those who were standing before him, Take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, See, I have taken away your sin, and I will put rich garments on you. And then I said, Put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him while the angel of the Lord stood by. And that's that picture of this whole point of the son coming home and the father saying, your past has been taken away. You were my son. When we are washed in the blood of Christ, we are made clean, we are made new. See, and it's interesting because the idea of the Pharisees is that they got so steeped in their tradition. By the time Jesus was walking the earth, they kind of just got so swallowed up into the Talmud, the Mishnah, that, that all of a sudden their traditions, their commentaries became more valuable than the Word of God. And Jesus oftentimes said, your traditions are not right. God's Word is alive. And the Word says that God forgets our sin as far as the east is from the west. And oftentimes we can think of that in a linear scope of never ending that way, never ending that way, and it's that far apart. But I tend to think of it as being Maybe about this far apart. With a nail in this arm and a nail in this arm. Because that's where our sin debt was paid in full. And God remembers our sin no more. Jesus is saying the heart of God. as He's speaking to the Pharisees and He's saying... You are so wrong in your understanding of God. And at the same time, knowing the ears that are hearing Him, saying, God loves you. I don't condone what you do, but I accept you for who you are, and I want you to know how much God loves you. As a father... To be able to look at my son and just let him know that I love him. To know that I will do things for him. Not because of anything other than 
I love him and I want to show God to him. Here the father says, bring the fatted calf. We are going to celebrate. We are going to rejoice. Do we rejoice when things happen to others? See, the, 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 the call of God is this. In our life, the prodigal son is all of us. We all have moments, or we did, where we rebelled. We had a heart of rebellion. Said, I want to try it my way. And we all sit in the seat of the older son and cast judgment on those who are, are living a life outside of God. It's subtle but we do it. And God is saying to each one of us, I did not call you to be a prodigal. I want to cleanse you. I want to put a robe on you. I want to put a ring that signifies your sonship or your daughtership in my family. I did not call you to be the older son. I did not call you to stand in judgment of one's sin. But I'm calling each and every one of my children to be as I am. To be a father. To be full of love. So, as we look at this, I just want to share five things that speak to me from this this text. And the first is this, to be watchful for those who have wandered from the faith. James 5, 19 and 20 speaks directly to that. If any one of you has wandered from the faith, he who is able to bring him back to faith does a wonderful thing. covers a multitude of sin because it's the love of God. We have to be watchful. We have to see our brothers and sisters. Are we accountable to people around us? Are we holding others accountable who are around us? Because it's vital. Because First Peter says what? That our enemy, our adversary, the devil prowls around, seeking for whom he can devour. Be on the alert. Be sober. Be watchful. The father watched at the end every day. He was looking because he wanted his son to come back. The second thing is to be active in their lives. What does that mean? It means to be praying. To be a a, a father or a mother. To be a brother or a sister or a friend to somebody who is struggling. To somebody who is, is not walking right. It doesn't mean that we just cut them out of our lives. It means that we want them to understand that we're here. 
when you want to talk, I'm right here. I'm not going anywhere. I don't condone where you're going with your life, but you know what? I love you. And I want you to know where home is. And you can always return. We have to be praying diligently. Be active. Third is to love on them. And, and, and that's where it's just doing things. As I said, sharing time with them. Going out of our way. If we have a moment where we could decide whether or not to have a cup of coffee with somebody who's struggling, or to go, have, you know, go to a movie, or go have dinner with a bunch of our, our Christian friends, and we know it's going to be a great time, where do you go? What's more important to the kingdom of God? Our decisions have to be based on where was Jesus ministering? Not to say that there's not those moments where, you know what, I need to be over here. But is that where God's calling you to be? If he is, then be there. If he's saying, I need you to be buying a cup of coffee for this person, please buy a cup of coffee. Fourth is treat them as a child of God. Treat them, see them as God sees them. It doesn't mean don't speak the truth and love to them, because that's loving them. Treat them as God would treat them. Speak into their lives. And fifth, it's to celebrate their return. And this is where that thin line of being an older brother, a Pharisee of Pharisees, and being as God in heaven is. Because when somebody who has just been wretched and running around and doing everything, all of a sudden they come back to church, if we stand back and just say, "Mm, yeah, I don't know. I know what you did. We're an older brother. Instead, we need to be like, oh, God, it's good to see you. You know what? Let's just let's go get a tri-tip and throw it on the barbecue. I don't have a fatted calf, so let's just go get a tri-tip. You know? And it's just like, let's celebrate. Let's have a party because our brother or our sister who was lost is found. And it's interesting because he looks at the older brother and he says this. He goes, your brother who wanted me dead was the one that was actually dead. But he's come home. And we had to celebrate. Had to. Is our heart full? That was a good catch. Is our heart full of God's love? Romans 5 says that he poured in his love into our heart. So it's not our love that we're pouring out to people. It's His. It's not even out of our own strength. It's just being available 
to his call. And I want to close this morning. The uh, worship team can come up. I want to, if you guys have your Bible, turn to Acts 20, 24. Actually, I think it might be up here. But uh, this is a, a life verse that a very good friend of mine lived by. And a month ago, I mentioned that he had passed away. And I was talking with his sisters, and, and, uh, and as we were talking, I said, you know, Leon really exemplified this parable. Because I knew him as a young man, yeah, well, you know, 20s. Young to us now, I guess. <laughs> but where he, he had those moments of prodigal, of rebellion. And then there were those moments because of just the knowledge of Scripture, the, the, the understanding. It's like getting to that point of being a Pharisee. Just that older brother, just kind of having that sense of, of no, no grace, just boom. But by the end of his life, he was the father. All the way up to his last moments, he was loving people into the kingdom. And this was his life verse. And you know, not until I went to his funeral and his, his bride read this as his life verse, I must have read it I don't know how many times in, in reading through Acts and it never like jumped out at me because it was just like part of the story of, of reading Paul. But then when she read it and then all of a sudden I thought about it, I was like, oh my gosh, what a rich scripture. And this is, it's up here, but I want to read it. It says, but I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself so that I may finish my course in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solely of the gospel of the grace of God. That is what Jesus is portraying in this parable. The grace and love of God. Do we understand God's love in our own life? Do we understand how much He loves each and every one of us? So much so, He went to the cross. So much so, that He poured out His Holy Spirit. So much so, that He guides every step we take. So much so, that He disciplines us. Why does He discipline us? so that we can become partakers of the eternal, of the divine, of His goodness, and of His grace. I want to encourage each of us here this morning to think about people in your circles, in your family, who either don't know Jesus or have wandered from the faith. What is your attitude towards them? What are you doing 
to speak into their life. See, it's easy to say, you made the choice. Sorry, you made the wrong one. And go about our day. Thank God Jesus didn't say that. Are we Christ-like in our actions to everyone? Or just a few? Let's pray. Father, how wonderful you are. How marvelous, how glorious you are, how forgiving, full of mercy and grace. There is nothing in us, in and of ourselves, that is righteous. We're not holy. We are all dirty, filthy, destitute without you. It is you who makes us holy and clean. It is you who puts a robe on us, who puts a ring on our finger and counts us as one of your own. I pray this morning, Father, that as we go about our day, we think about those in our life that have wandered, that we would speak into their lives. Show us how to reach out to them to be as Christ would be to them. And if there's any in here this morning that maybe they've made choices that have not been in line with who you are. They've connected with the wrong people. They find their life as a struggle. And maybe they even feel that they are in with the pigs, with the swine. I pray, Lord, that today would be a day where they come home. And if you feel that you need to come home this morning, while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I just want you to raise your hand this morning. And just say, Lord, I want to come home this morning. I want to be yours. The Lord sees that. The Lord is saying, I want to make you new. I want to put a ring on your finger because you are my child. I thank you, Lord. I praise you. I give you glory. In all that we do and all that we say, May you be lifted up in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. We pray that this message has blessed you. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.